Hello, welcome to the plants we eat, or the bugs we eat. <laughs> this is our second podcast on the bugs that we use for food. <laughs> the bugs. Uh, yeah, let's say the insects, you know. We're scientists here. Let's okay. say insects. So the insects we use for food. My name's Jeff Gilman. I'm Cindy Proctor. And hey, we're excited to eat mealworms today. <laughs> You guys are excited. I'm glad to talk about them. In fact, I'm excited to talk about them, but okay. I will never eat one. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you start us off? Tell us a little bit about what you learned about mealworms going through your research. Well, mealworms are not really a worm. but not they, at all. They look like a worm. <laughs> <laughs> they do? They're, you want me to pour some out for you the, so you can look at them no, while you're I'm talking? No, <laughs> <laughs> They're segmented looking things and they're, they're the larva of a beetle. Right. They're from the order Coleoptera. That's right. A and there's a gazillion beetles. I mean, huge group. I'm sure most of us, if we didn't think about eating mealworms, our flying friends, the birds, love them. And our bird feeders, if they had a few mealworms in them, our birds would be very, very happy. However, the birds shouldn't have all the fun. <laughs> They're for humans, too. In fact, they're eaten quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And when we talked about our, our uh, crickets, just like crickets, they are full of nutrition and full of protein. And uh, we gave a lot of numbers on why we think our world is going towards uh, potentially eating bugs more than livestock. But uh, yeah, the mealworms are interesting. Aren't they? And they're easy to breed. They are. Remember, we talked about crickets not having stages, you know, larva, pupa, adult. The beetles do. So the beetles mm -hmm. go through a worm stage. That worm stage can have 9 to 20 instars. What does an instar mean? Basically, the worm's really small. It grows bigger. It sheds its skin. It gets bigger. It sheds its skin. So it'll shed its skin between 9 and 20 times. Like the cricket, it is kind of a scavenger. Mm -hmm. The uh, Both the adult and the and the larva, they, they scavenge for stuff. And that, that's and, part of what makes them so easy to grow. In fact, most beetles are scavengers and they lay their eggs, you know, mm -hmm. in wet, moist places, dark places. And right. so that's where you... You could you lift up a log, you're gonna find your mealworm. Yes, mealworm. Yeah, but I don't know if I would want to eat it that way. <laughs> but it does love grains. Sometimes they can be in your home, in some homes, mm -hmm. if you store a lot of grains, the beetles can be attracted there. And yeah, so we talked about again. You know, I keep comparing it to the cricket, but I think it's a really interesting comparison. Cindy, when we were talking about the crickets last week, we were like pretty indifferent to the cricket as a pest, periodically, but rarely a pest. Mealworms, the darkling beetle that the adults call a darkling beetle, mm -hmm. the darkling beetle is considered a pest of stored grain. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever had some things rolling around in your flour, or if you store oats and you ever get any insects in your oats, there's a good chance that it is a type of darkling beetle. Perhaps not the exact one that that we're going to eat today, but a, a similar beetle. So very interesting insect, can lay about 500 eggs. This is undoubtedly one you've seen. If you've ever seen one of those big insects kind of scooting around under a rock, again, not necessarily this particular species, but closely related, closely related. They're typically fed when you raise them, either bran or oatmeal. We talk about these mealworms. Now, some of you may have lizards or you may have something else that you feed mealworms to, and you may periodically feed them something called super or giant mealworms. Giant mealworms are a particularly interesting type of mealworm because they are indeed the same mealworm that you grow normally for food, but they've been forced to become giant. They're forced to become giant by giving them something called juvenile hormone. It's actually a type of pesticide. And what it does is it forces the insect to stay in the juvenile stage. So instead of going through that pupil stage where it can then become an adult, it'll keep molting and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but it can never turn to an adult. So end up with a really long mealworm. Now, can we ingest that? 
humans should not okay. be eating that. As far as I know, it is not registered, and you shouldn't be having something that's treated with that so, her- hormone. So, the, like the worm bites we're going to eat today are certainly not giant mealworms. I got to tell you, generally speaking, I don't have a problem with eating any insect, but the giant mealworms can get to a size where even for me, it's kind of like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> the out. The texture's a little off. Right? Yeah, I'm going to step back from that. I, I wonder if those are the kind of quote unquote mealworms that were on shows that survival type shows. It could or, it could be. Okay. It could be. Oh. Juvenile hormone, just uh so that everybody knows, while I don't think that they're allowed to be consumed right now. Juvenile hormone is something that's in every insect naturally. Juvenile hormone is no way poisonous to people. There are a few juvenile hormones that are used as insecticides, and they're considered some of our safest insecticides that you can possibly use. I was gonna say that's pretty clever than a poison. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. These are very, very useful, handy compounds to have, not dangerous to people. Nonetheless, right now, I do not believe that they're allowed to be used uh, for human consumption, the giant mealworms, and you wouldn't want to. <laughs> All right. Historically, these mealworms have been eaten in a number of Asian countries. It's considered a delicacy. Yeah, Southeast Asia. One of the reasons that it does well there is it only takes a small amount of space to raise these. In fact, raising insects in general only takes a small amount of space. But that's especially true for mealworms. And I'm sure it takes on any flavor that you, oh yeah that, any spice you know that you want it to. And, and uh, I, I realize that because uh, they have tequila flavored mealworms, which the, the worm at the bottom of tequila is not a mealworm, by the way. No, it's very different. It's a larva of a moth. Yes. Have you ever had the worm? No. Mm-mm. Oh, really? Mm-mm. They're not bad. <laughs> It tastes like tequila. It, that's Nothing all, it's would a, be bad. That's all it tastes like. It's true. <laughs> Actually, I had a bottle of mezcal. And yeah, just taste, of course, by that point. Anyway. <laughs> now I want to tell you the most interesting thing about the mealworm. Mealworms could be the answer to global pollution. Are you ready? I'm ready. Mealworms can digest styrofoam. Really? Yes. I read that it could not. Okay, so here's the deal. Okay. So mealworm has been experimented on as a way to break down styrofoam. Styrofoam, by the way, is just basically plastic made out of nothing but carbon and hydrogen. Mealworm itself can't break it down, but it has bacteria in its gut, which is capable of breaking it down. So the experiment that they ran was they fed the mealworms antibiotics. The antibiotics knocked out the bacteria, and then the mealworms couldn't process styrofoam. I love science. But as, long as they had the, but as long as they had the bacteria, they were able to process the styrofoam. What they did was they released both carbon dioxide, that's the broken down you know, styrofoam, uh, and they you know, pooped out pellets, and those pellets were actually fine for increasing organic matter in the soil. So a great way to process your styrofoam. Now we're talking. <laughs> Something I didn't mention in our last show about both mealworms and crickets and really all insects is that, uh, you know, one of the problems with raising cattle and other livestock is that they produce methane, which is mm-hmm. bad for the atmosphere. Sure. You know, uh, insects still do produce this to some extent, but not at nearly the same levels that, uh, that cows do. They simply don't fart that much. So, hey, insects are good for that too. Now, we have brought in some worm bites today. And Cindy, you've said you won't try the worm bites, and that's fine. The worm bites are whole roasted mealworms, which have been treated with a variety of different spices. Again, same as potato chips. Alex, you have the buffalo wing uh, mealworms over there? Yep. Why don't you go ahead and give them a shot, and I'll try a few. And uh, let's see. You know, buffalo wing sauce is my favorite flavor. I might, I can't do it. No, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Yum. 
<laughs> Alex, what do you think? I think they had the texture of a very small kind of stale Cheeto. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> they smell similar to a, a bacon bite or like fish food. Yes, I would say that's, that was, that's true. I have to be honest. The crickets I thought were tasty. If they were put in front of me, I'd have no problem eating them by choice. The worm bites. Um, Your eyes are watering. I didn't enjoy them. Is it the texture? It's, it's very much the texture. Yeah, see. The texture's just off for me. What do you think, Alex? I could take or leave either of the two. If you had it put in front of you at a party, would you eat it? Without beer. Once. That's it. But I might have more of the crickets. Crickets, yes. The buffalo wing sauce was not as good as the original. Okay. Now, while we're on the subject, I want to take just a moment to talk about another beetle, which is actually relatively dangerous, but is uh, used, I won't say as a food, but have you heard of Spanish fly? Of course. Okay. Spanish fly is actually a beetle that used to be used as what we'll call an aphrodisiac. Spanish fly is actually something known as a meloid beetle. Meloid beetles produce an extremely toxic substance, which when ingested will literally make your body itch, and particularly sensitive uh, parts of your body tend to itch more, which is the reason it's supposed to be an aphrodisiac. The problem is it's actually very easy to overdose on Spanish fly. On this, it's, Again, it's a type of blister beetle, which tells you how active this stuff is. If you crush one of these in your hands, your hand will actually pop out in blisters. It's very easy to overdose on this and you know, literally cause severe burning of your, of your system. So this is one that I actually like to talk about, not because, you know, people have all these raunchy stories. I don't like to talk about it because of the raunchy stories. I like to talk about it because this is actually quite a dangerous thing. And if you actually see real Spanish fly, uh, let me recommend that you stay far, far away. The burning that you can have in your esophagus and so forth, not worth it. Is a sensation or actually is the burning? No, it, it will actually literally raise blisters um, in your, in, on your hand. I mean, not just in your throat, which is much more sensitive, mm -hmm. but on your hand. So okay. this, is a, this is a dangerous insect to deal with. Don't, don't mess with it. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, you get all these stories about it. Let me tell you, I tend to read way too many uh, scientific articles. Yuck. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> Stay far, far away. This has been The Bugs We Eat, which is, you know, our, our four-week series on the plant <laughs> within the plants we eat on the bugs that we use for food. This is a production of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens along with the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences and the Isle Group at UNC Charlotte. If you'd like to contact us and tell us about bugs that we should talk about on air or about plants, then please email us at tpwepodcast at uncc.edu. Again, that's tpwepodcast at uncc.edu. Thanks. We look forward to talking to you soon.